welcome. Welcome to Shop Talk. I'm your host, Nicole Lossie, and I'm joined, as always, by Drama Shop Artistic Director, Zach Flock. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> Before we start, I wanted to make sure we thanked our sponsor, Gannon University Schuster Theater, uh, part of Gannon School for Communication and the Arts. Is the, uh, the Schuster Theater provides production and performance opportunities for majors and non-majors alike, as well as community members. That's right. And coming soon to the Schuster Theater, The Wolves by Sarah DeLapp. This 2017 Pulitzer Prize finalist and winner of the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize explores the challenges of nine teenage soccer players over the series of a single season, negotiating relationships, developing skills, sharing victories and losses both on and off the field. The Wolves is designed to celebrate and empower even in times of challenge or desolation and performances are coming up February 19th through the 23rd, 2020. The Wolves is the final production of Erie Fringe Fest 2020. The Wolves at Gannon University Schuster Theater. And by the way, Nicole and I are not only supporters, we're also alums. Yeah! Well, today's topic is uh, intimacy and combat on the stage, two areas that, if done right, look super effortless, but actually require a great deal of preparation and planning. And we'll be joined shortly by three panelists with experience in those areas, Elena Manchester, Emily Cassano, and Dominic Del Greco. But first, Zach, let's set the stage a little bit, so to speak. So why is this an important conversation that we wanted to have with Shop Talk? Well, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that this is Shop Talk Live, and we do have a full audience of folks here. Make some noise for yourselves. Listen to that live audience. A packed house. Um, No, but so why did we want to have this conversation today? That's a great question. I definitely feel that it's something that over the nine years that we've been producing shows here at Drama Shop, it's something that we have gotten better at mm-hmm. um, in so much as we give more attention to it. We give it the the attention and the due diligence that it deserves. Um, early on, I would say we were probably not so good at that. Mm-hmm. And I, I that's something that we'll probably talk about a little later on in the podcast. Sure. Um, but it is so important that we are providing a place that is safe physically for our actors and for our volunteers, mm-hmm. um, safe emotionally, um, and that's providing actors and artists and creators an opportunity to tell stories, but to give them, to tell them well and to to give them the attention they deserve. So it's, I think, an important topic, not only in theater, but in in film and in the entertainment industry as a whole. Um, And so I think there's a lot to unpack here. I'm excited to to have the conversation with these three individuals. I think they have a lot to offer. And yeah, so I'm ready to dig in if you are. Yeah, and I think it's cool that we're blocking these topics together to stage combat and intimacy because at first when we were talking about putting these ideas together, it might seem like those two aren't super connected, but they actually really are in the process. So I'm glad that that's becoming more of a conversation for someone who might just be a layperson in theater and might not realize that. Right, and I know that was something that in our sort of planning for for the conversation today, Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of went back and forth of do we talk about intimacy first and then do we talk about fight choreography and, you know, but there is so much, I think, um, connectedness between the two topics. So we'll kind of tackle them. And, and like most of our podcasts, we'll probably bounce back and forth quite a bit, I imagine. <laughs> Moving forward, our first panelist today is Drama Shop's creative advisor and has played an integral role in shaping how we handle intimacy and fight choreography on the Drama Shop stage. She is also the director of visual and performing arts at Gannon University. She holds an MFA from the University of Florida in acting and a BA in theater and communication arts from Gannon University. She is a certified, and correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly, Satya Yoga? That's it. 
Yes. Satya Yoga. I just feel more relaxed saying that word out loud. Um. Teacher and is in the process of completing her Great Lakes Michael Chekhov Consortium Teacher Training Certification. It's a mouthful. And it's awesome. Thank There's you. more. Wait. That's, that's wait, true. We're not talking, more. talking about how great you are. She is trained and certified as an actor combatant through the Society of American Fight Directors, Dueling Arts International, and the British Academy of Stage and Screen Combat. She is also trained with Intimacy Directors International. Please welcome Elena Manchester. That's me. Yay. Hello. Oh my gosh. All 53, 54 of you. <laughs> Too kind. Too kind. Blessed. And that's all the time we have for today. Thanks, Thank bye. you all for joining us for Shop Talk Live. Uh, no, Elena, so, you know, we talk, we want to talk obviously about intimacy and stage combat, and we will. Yes. But before we do, yes. can we talk a little bit about the show you've been working on at Gannon and that you're going to continue to work on really for the, for what, the rest of the year? Yes. Sisters Weird. And it's a weird show. Well, I but would think yes, so. Sisters Weird. So we take a show to Scotland Fringe Festival every three years. And we um, wanted to devise our own piece. And we did that three years ago with this show called Ape Essence, um, which was based on Ape and Essence by Aldous Huxley. And we got a bunch of people, people together. And it was basically like, how do we do this? <laughs> um, so we kind of, you know, we read a lot of books. We talked to a lot of people. And we're, most people, devising is one of those words right now that everybody likes to use. Everybody likes to use devise, just like uh, when we talk about stage combat, everybody likes to say consent. And I'm great with both of those things, right? But unlike consent, people don't know how to define devised. Uh, so mm. when we say we did a devised piece, many people will argue about what that means. But there's this really great company. I like how you say many people and you stare me down. Because I'm in Zach. <laughs> uh, there's this great theater company. I think it's called Pig Iron Theater Company. And um, so they had they, they had a statement on devised, which I really liked, which was basically like devised theater happens because you don't know the outcome. Mm. Nobody comes in with an overall grand image. And, you know, true devising can't happen unless what you come up with in the room couldn't have happened without those specific people in that specific room at that specific time. So device theater is really based out of ensemble practice. So uh, there's a couple different ways you can direct a show, right? You can do very patriarchal or whatever you want to call it, uh, top down where somebody is in charge and we all listen to somebody, right? And then you get, or very comsi comsa, right? Do as I say. Then you get more like laissez-faire where we're all kind of, well, what do you feel like your character should do? And yeah. how do you feel like your character? So if you take that and you kind of take the director and you make the director more of a facilitator, hmm. then you start doing ensemble stuff, right? And if you get that ensemble together and you're kind of like, we want to make a piece and we kind of want it to be about these themes, but we don't really know what we want to do, now you're kind of in devising territory. Now, we devised or adapted Macbeth. <laughs> we're on a stage right now, but it's okay because we're working on it, so it's fine. Because um, superstition. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we did a version, we adapted a version of Macbeth a few years ago for Shakespeare Summer Nights where it was a six-woman Macbeth. And you played Macbeth and I were did. so badass. I was really great. I only want to play. <laughs> My heart stopped for a second because I was going to hear you say, and you were so bad. Oh, like, yeah. You were That's not. Fun. You were incredible. It yeah. was fun. It was really, I feel like I tend to play in a lot of very sacred, like very female characters, like uber mom. Well, yeah, we talked on, in the last, in our yeah. last oh, yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. about either playing the mom or the whore. Yeah, some really cool archetypes, right? So Macbeth is but neither very a feminine mom archetypes. nor a Yeah, whore. so playing Macbeth, I definitely manspread a lot. Um, <laughs> and I refused mm -hmm. to move down sidewalks I was walking. Shocked a couple of people. Um, I just felt really 
like this masculineness, whatever that is. And then at some point, my husband's like, "Can you play <laughs> maybe like not this character this anymore?" This isn't what I signed up for. No, um, not because of the gender thing, but because I was kind of being not so nice. It it gets a little. It was a little addictive to just take up all That's my so space. Interesting. But then take up more than my space. I want to take your space. And then finally, m- my husband's like, "Can you stop taking my space?" <laughs> So we got together and we took the original, the Macbeth script from two years ago or whatever, and we showed it to our students and we're like, isn't this great? And they were kind of like, no. <laughs> <laughs> not the script and not the production that it was, but it just wasn't what they wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. So we're like, great, here, you've got, you've got an hour. Here's the original script. We're going to go and we'll come back. We'll see what you come up with. And they came up with some great stuff. We kept some ideas from that piece that really worked. Um, but they were like, this character should be human because it's Macbeth's heart. And we're like, oh, my God. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. And this character should be human because it shows his downfall. We're like, okay. And then we came up with the title. There's a, there's a play or a book called The Weird Sisters based on the, the Weird Sisters hand-in-hand posters of the same mm-hmm. Um This is not that. I think it's by some guy named Pratchett. But the idea of weird means um, not like, ooh, hooky-booky. It means like um, prophesizing, being able to tell the future. So we decided that the witches were the central characters, right? Not so different than the one two years ago. But then when they prophesized, that is their magic. And we, they, the students were like, well, what is prophecy? Like, is it fate? Or once you say it, does that change your fate? And we're like, oh my, you came up with this in an hour? That's I had to go awesome. to grad school and I didn't come up with that. You're so much smarter than me. And so we came up with this idea. The witches can't kill anybody. They can kind of glamour and look like people. And they're after Lady Macbeth. Something about Lady Macbeth is awesome and she has power and we want her. And so it's us kind of manipulating. And you're things. playing one of the witches. Which oh is yeah, why I'm you just a witch to now. We, right? we, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I played. So this is my third time in the show, in an incarnation of this show. And now the idea is the witches are trying to get Lady Macbeth to do something. I don't. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. And um, we there's Hecate witch, which is in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays a much bigger role in this one. And yeah, we played with movement. We played with some Michael Chekhov stuff, of course. We played with some stage combat. We had some sword fighting thrown in there. Wow. We didn't use a lot of intimacy, actually. And then at the end, we're like, man, the Macbeths are like buddies. We need to like work on that intimacy there um, because we didn't rehearse it for more than a, about a month. Wow. Maybe six weeks. We also then contacted Gelsie Bell, who was in The Great Comet. And she helped write the music and is in uh, Ghost Quartet. Mm-hmm. And she, one of, another student was like, hey, this song is like perfect. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I listened to it and oh my God, it is. And it's like the witches talking, singing, and it's a cappella and it's really difficult. So I'm like, we should sing this <laughs> in three days. Obviously. Um, you know, given that it's a musical theater program. Right, right? Yeah. exactly. <laughs> it isn't. It's not. Um, so we, I contacted Gelsey Bell thinking, no way. She's a Broadway person. They live in Broadway land doing Broadway <laughs> things. I don't know. And she contacted me back. Wow. I tried not to scream and mess up my levels, but I'm really excited. <laughs> Pat's on Just it. lean it's back. Cool. Thanks, Pat. And so, <laughs> so we work, we're working with her about how we can get the rights to perform them. 
the songs and it's become a new thing like the songs really have motivated why the witches are doing what they're doing and it the song it was it was very weird like a weird zeitgeist thing where what the songs were talking about was what we were already exploring like yeah you played this the one song for me do you want to mention the name of it oh yeah so she wrote it's a three song cycle called this is not the land of kings and that's the first song, which is like, that's exactly what we're saying. Yeah. With this piece, they're destroying the patriarchy. Like, in some way, at least as my actor brain, the witches were here first. They have the old gods, and the new gods came in, and they're ruining it. And so we are trying to get rid of the these this patriarchy. So she has this song, This Is Not a Land of Kings. It's just perfect. And this other song about she's going to breathe now, and that's how we, I use a lot of breath in everything I do kind of a sticky thing but it worked in this piece we breathed into this notion of starting our magic because breath is the beginning of speaking and if speaking is our magic then breath is magic and so we did it in front of an audience then we asked them for feedback which is super naked and awful and my whole cast was super good about it and I was really internally aggressive about it because you just do this thing and you're like here's this newborn baby it's not even fully formed yet so we're gonna let you look at it and then you tell us why it's ugly but everyone was really nice that's cool there was one student said that the fighting was bad and i'm like i i blocked that well and that's actually (laughs) where i wanted to go next was there are elements of of combat and you said some intimacy there will be more intimacy for sure but we always a consent circle and we'll talk about what that is i'm sure and Cool. That kind of a thing. Um, but uh, Will we have a chance to see it before you head to Scotland? Yes, we are going to remount it sometime in the spring. I don't know if it's going to be part of Shakespeare Summer Nights. I don't know if it's just if maybe we'll remount it in Drama Shop mm-hmm. or something. It'd be really cool to find like an abandoned place, but then that's insurance and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but um, it's, it's definitely, it feels weird, not spelled with a Y, and it feels... <laughs> sacred so an abandoned church would be like ideal what about that eerie abyss place that only gets used in october oh that warehouse yeah that could is be that cool. anything else during the oh, rest of the, the year? other cool thing about the show was that Brittany lee designed uh projections and projected onto us so we were the screens that's really so cool. and angela howell designed the costumes and so we were in designing those and projecting these new made images by Brittany Lee onto our clothes for times of magic. Very cool. That was a technique that we worked with Brittany on during Curious Incident. So I, I, yeah, I saw some of the that. clips of, yeah. of your production. I say, I've seen a couple of the pictures. Yeah. But she's I, really into that. She's great. About she's using great. projections as a light source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, which is funny because I think about like when you're in class, if you're teaching and the projector gets in your face, you're just like, oh, this is awful. Um, but it's such a, it's such an opportunity. Yeah. It's and she creates these light images which light you differently and they're changing, but it's not just like using an LED or a scroller because there's form to it. So it the image changes on you and you change. It's very weird and very cool. That is really cool. And honestly, I could like keep talking about Sisters Weird and make this whole podcast we about should. that. If we if we take a step back from uh, from Sisters Weird, I just want to talk about there was a reason we wanted to have you come back and be on the podcast again. I want to talk more about you. What put you on the path to training in intimacy and in combat in in the first place? So in grad school, um, I went to the University of Florida and they have a really great program for um, stage combat Mm -hmm. as part of their MFA program. Uh, Ms. Tisa Garland is in charge of that. And I did not want to do it at all. 
I had no interest. I'm like, I'm a pacifist, and I'm unathletic, and I don't know how to use my body, so I'm going to take a hard pass on that, which you don't get to do. <laughs> um, so I was terrified for that class, and I really worked hard in that class, and it turned out that actually the language of stage combat is not about combat at all. It's about... Um, trusting your partner it's about going after your objective it's about communication it's a, it's like a dance um, and it's very intimate and it's one of the clearest I think examples of how to act there is a clear objective you have to be listening with your whole body and every little step leads to another step it's like breaking down a scene into beats physically so that's why I liked it it wasn't because I'm a violent person um, and then once you see it then you can watch like movies and theater and you can tell like oh they're in it man like they are making eye contact they are breathing and this is really cool I hate watching certain movies where in America in particular they cut away at the the points of contact um, because it's hard to make it look good mm -hmm. but instead what they do is they put I think in America we put American film we put a lot of emphasis on the hits not on the reactions, hmm. but the reactions are the part that really sells it. So were there any moments in your training, like light bulb moments or like just really cool moments where you're like, this is, this is definitely something I'm into. Cause you said from the beginning, you were kind of like, eh, this isn't really, well, I don't I like to do anything I'm not good at immediately. And I think my body as an actor was always the thing I felt was an obstacle and then in stage combat, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I get it. My personal body shape and how it's built and how it moves is actually a benefit. And I'd never felt that as an actor. Hmm. It was always the thing that was like, oh, well, she'd be great. But mm. this and that doesn't mean that that's really what happened. But that was my perceived story I told mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. But with stage combat, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually good at this. And. Um, I can do this and I can help other people do like I can see where things need to change mm -hmm. um, so that I don't know if that's a light bulb moment but then I got out of school um, didn't think much of it and then later on I, I think it was pillow man yeah yeah can save that story I, I want to come back to that but I that, know exactly I where got you're going. more into it actually once I came back to Erie um, and I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life <laughs> And I was like, oh, I know this skill. I know this very specific skill. I can, I can help with this thing. And then I started getting more involved with um, uh, mm, Society of American Fight Directors. Mm -hmm. I got involved with them with something called Winter Wonderland. I went to that, did more training, and they were already talking about intimacy. And that's where I learned because intimacy like IDI, Intimacy Directors International, is based out of the training from Society of American Fight Directors mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so then um, I was going to go and get recertified. I would love to get all my certification to be a certified with the Society of American Fight Directors fight captain or uh, choreographer. But then I got pregnant and I had to cancel on that. So you've worked on a ton of shows here at Drama Shop. Um, I think specifically in the next room where the vibrator play, which had some some pretty intimate moments, yeah, I would say. I would say so. Um, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, which had some massive fight sequences that it were did. also comedic, which adds a whole other element to them. Um, Angels in America, The Humans, Fun Home, Small Mouth Sounds, Crumble. Basically, anytime there's either fighting or 
you know, the other thing, um, we call Intimacy. Elena, right? Yeah. So two questions. First of all, is it annoying that we call you to come in and It's annoying and you don't pay me. Yeah, well, <laughs> preach. Uh, and second of all, those are shows that you didn't necessarily direct. So I'm curious as a director, what's that challenge like mm. to come into a production that someone else is directing and to be tasked with taking that one moment and, and fleshing it out and fitting it into the rest of the show. Yeah, and um, I've been lucky because I have a lot of really great friends who are really great directors. And Thank they you. And to come and do stuff for oh. them. And, She's um, indicating others in the room. <laughs> but here's the thing. Awkward. like I know that I take a lot of time to do it, and I always feel rushed, not by directors and not by actors, but by me because I know I want it to be perfect because I want it to be perfectly safe. And so does everyone else in the room, so I have to get mm -hmm. over it. That's my own thing. Um, the other thing is I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but a lot of fight, like what happens, it's, okay, in a musical, why do people sing? Because they've run out of words, right? And they've got feelings and they've got to sing. Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing with a fight. Why do you fight? You've, words don't work. So now we have to fight. But it's, so it's coming from a place and it's still acting. And so there are times where I'll be like, why is your character punching him in the face? And they'll be like, because he told me to. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. My job is to tell you to do that. But your job is to justify. So we need to know, is this like, are you punching? Is your tactic with that punch to stun? Is your tactic with that punch to end the fight? Is the tactic with that punch to get them to apologize? And so it's just like acting. What are the tactics? Mm -hmm. uh, what's your objective? So some, I, I don't ever want to step on anyone's toes. Yeah. Like the actors or the directors. Um, I mean, I have to say, you know, from, from having had you come into my rehearsals before, I have never felt like that. I think you, you approach your toes things with, are safe. My toes are fine. You <laughs> approach it with such a spirit of Steel collaboration and you know, what are we trying to accomplish or what are we trying to say in that moment? Oh, good. So, yeah, I always feel like it, it really does feel like an organic moment. Or if it doesn't, you know, I think there have been times where we've talked and said, you know what, I think that's, you know, if it's a, a combat moment, that's more violence than we need. Or, I, I tend to go big. Or the, there have been times where I feel like we've said, okay, we need to add a little bit more. Or yeah. that particular technique is not yeah. is not resonating the way we want it to. And, like, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about this with intimacy and more with stage combat, but, like, Nobody has a duel anymore. In a modern play, people don't have duels. Mm -hmm. We there, should change that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> There's a victim and aggressor, usually. Somebody is aggressing somebody. And then that victim either wins or loses. And so that can be loaded with all sorts of stuff. And so we have to be really careful with that kind of stuff. So the intimacy stuff just helped the stage yeah. combat stuff so much because mm -hmm. you never want to trigger anybody, but you have to, we're storytellers, right? Like we have to dig into some of these things, right. these yeah. story things as far as people are willing and want to go. Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't remember the question. No, that's, uh, we, we answered do, it. Yeah. So. Yay. And we do want to get into a little bit more like the philosophical questions about why we treat intimacy and combat with that kind of care. Um, sure. And we're going to do that too when we bring on our other panelists. Um, but from a tactical or like mechanical point of view, um, what are the similarities between staging intimacy and staging combat? You kind of started to yeah. touch on it, but yeah, from the so, physical um, standpoint of it. Idea, the Intim Intimacy Directors International is this really great five pillar system. And the f I always get them wrong, but they begin with C's, I think. Context, choreography, com communication, consent, and closure. The, f the closure one was later. So the four pillars are like 
if you're going to make out with someone on stage, if these characters, not the actors, are going to make out on stage in this world, mm-hmm. why? Like, there has to be a reason. And if the director's like, just make out. Because it says so. That's not yeah. good. No. That's, that's one, right? The other one is communication. Everybody has to be c- communicating, okay, I'm going to do this, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Consent. Everybody has to give consent, and consent can be taken away at any time, and consent for that day. And just because I give you consent today doesn't mean I give you consent tomorrow for anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we work in, with college kids, and that's important to talk about. And then um, – closures at the end where you like shake and dance and have a good time so you don't take it home with you and choreography choreography is the thing that makes the two very similar besides all the rest um if you're in a show and a director says and nobody in erie would do this but if somebody says hey this is the part where you guys fight so just fight that's not good and if you're in a show and that's a director says, leave. this is where you guys make out you know just kiss don't do that I think myself and my colleagues in particular are really making sure that doesn't happen. Absolutely. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. And we clearly have a lot more to discuss and more guests, too. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Emily Cassano from Penn State Barrent and Dom Del Greco from the Erie Playhouse. on the drama shop stage and with a title so long it doesn't fit into the Facebook event name field. It's a public reading of an unproduced screenplay about the death of Walt Disney by Lucas Naff. Tonight, Walt is going to read you a screenplay he wrote. It's about his last days on Earth. It's about a city he's going to build that's going to change the world. And it's about his brother. It's about everyone who loves him so much and it's about how sad they're going to be when he's gone, right? I mean, how can they live without him? How can anyone live without him? A public reading of an unproduced screenplay about the death of Walt Disney is part of our staged reading series, which means it is pay what you can at the door. Donations are welcome, and it runs January 10th to the 18th, 2020. Shop Live. We are bringing in two more guests to continue the conversation. She's the director of the theater at Penn State Barron, has a BA in theater and communication arts from Gannon University, an MA in educational theater from NYU, a post-baccalaureate certificate in educational technology from Penn State, and is currently pursuing her doctorate degree in education from Indiana University, Indiana, not PA. Please welcome Emily Cassano. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, please sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Let the record Put show. Put your clothes back on. All 48 people still in the consent. audience stood up. And I'll, he's the youth theater and education director at the Erie Playhouse, a former board member at Drama Shop, and has acted and directed and served as fight captain for a number of local theaters, most recently at the Playhouse. Please welcome Dom Del Greco to the podcast. Dom, you put your clothes on. I was a little depressed that nobody made a cricket noise. It's okay. All 46 people stood up for you, though. And sticking around for another... 46. That number keeps getting getting lower. lower. Where are they? Somebody lock the door. They are allowed to leave if they don't consent. And sticking around for another segment, once again, we are joined by Elena Manchester. Yeah. Cricket. 33 people. 33. Cricket. 
So Emily, so like Elena, you've also done some training with Intimacy Directors International. How how has that shaped your approach to directing? Well, I first discovered it. I was at a conference actually for the um, theater educator, higher ed. Yeah. ATAG. It's like Yahtzee, but it's not Yahtzee. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was at their conference and I had, I had seen that there was an offering of this intimacy choreography and I thought, well, that sounds really interesting. And so I went to the workshop and it was led by the the three women who started Intimacy Directors International. You met Tanya? I did. Stop. I know, I was fangirl. I I follow her. Like not around, like on social media. (laughs) I am such a fan. I mean, I'm a fan of all three of them, but I am such a fan of her. Oh my! I didn't know you met her. I did before I even knew to be excited. Oh my gosh! I know. Did you meet her dog? Probably the best time. I don't think I did. I think I'd remember a dog. (laughs) Okay, she's a dog, a service dog. I previous prior to directing at Baron, I was directing um, children. And so obviously not much of a need for um, intimacy, intimacy choreography. I or, should hope not. Or at least <laughs> that I was aware of. Um, and I was, I keep picking shows with um, intimate scenes that would require uh, this proper choreography. And so went to the workshop and um, it was just really, it was very interesting. It is very similar to fight choreography uh, in terms of sort of the, um, the trust of the partner and establishing um, just this this sort of circle of protection around you and being really comfortable and um, and getting consent and making eye contact and all that stuff. So it has really come in handy. Um, I brought we Elena at Gannon had brought in one of the women um, from IDI and we did like a combined workshop with our students and that was really great. And I think the the students that I brought really enjoyed it as well. Um, and, and, you know, I find that even in scenes where maybe intimacy isn't present or, you know, obviously present, that I can still use a lot of the uh, techniques that they um, are teaching. Oh, yeah. I, I've since Alicia, right? Yes. She, when, since she came in, I definitely pay a lot more attention. I Absolutely. Think, to things like eye contact, listening with your whole body. I, um, I utilize some of that, um, like, to build intimacy before the scene. Right. Do you do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's great. Yeah, and that would have been that would have come in handy a lot, like in some of the shows that I had done before I even knew that it was sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the moment that sticks out for me is I my my first musical at Baron that I directed was Spring Awakening, and obviously it's full of intimacy. And um, I really was coming from a place where I didn't know how to approach it. You know, I did some quick googling and tried to figure out you know what was the best way to do this. I did have everybody leave, you know, specifically for like the Venla. Melchior scenes I only had the two of them and then myself and um the actual the actual choreographer of the show and then the stage manager so that it wasn't embarrassing um but I would have loved to have known sort of what they taught us at that workshop in, in yeah. terms of like building the intimacy and that Can kind I ask of thing. a question yeah I have a question okay so both of you worked on um Spring Awakening at the Playhouse right yes yeah. so how because you did both before did. the training and after the training right. how did you approach it differently so exactly sort of what I just said is we spent a lot of time then at the Playhouse um, building that intimacy between Melchior and Venla um, in sort of an enclosed space where it was just the two of them and then Dom, myself, and, and Kate, the director. Um, and I think just to get to a point where the two of them felt really comfortable with each other and comfortable with us and, um, and then they weren't 
you know, that level of embarrassment was sort of gone. And then right. when they had to finally get to the point where we brought in the other cast members and they had to do it in front of the other cast members, like it was not as big of a deal as it would have been had we just like been like, go. And the same thing went, especially on that production too, the same thing went for the violence too, mm-hmm. because there's not, there's mm. not a lot of violence in Spring Awakening, but the violence that there is Super. is intensely personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's very like, I mean, it's really easy for an actor to feel vulnerable portraying oh, a scene yeah, like that. And, I, and I, I think that it just speaks to the idea that uh, whether it's intimacy or combat or neither, uh, a lot of this is just, it's it's parts of a whole. And you can use the things that you learn working on intimacy, working on combat in just acting as part as yeah. part of your toolkit that you bring with you to every rehearsal and everything. Totally. You should mm-hmm. always be doing that. Yeah. I, I want to talk about, we kind of started, Elena, you started to mention this, and Dom, you know where I'm going with this. I do. So we I talked do. that, you know, we've learned a bit over the years, hopefully. If yeah. not, why are we doing this if we haven't learned anything? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think back to one of our <laughs> first drama shop shows that had combat in it. I think yeah. Pillow Man was the first one. I don't what? remember any fighting oh, in... Uh, well, in uh, reasons, reasons. reasons. Oh, there was. Fighting? There was a little... Was there like a, yeah, with, a uh, scuffle? Yeah, with Evan and I. Yeah. That scuffle, you, you did that. The baseball, the baseball field, field fight. Oh, yeah. I should put that on my CV. Which Elena did, I guess, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. But then we get to Pillow Man. Yeah. And I am I am not throwing you under the bus. I am right there no, next to you. Yeah. Um, I think we... I think you would agree that we thought we were approaching it with like the utmost safety, right? In that we said, we're going to be safe. We're going to be careful. (laughs) So when Matt Fuchs throws Michael Haas on the table, he's going to do it, but carefully. (laughs) And I think at the time we thought like, well, that's what, what fight, what, what stage combat is, right? We did, we did have for the most I mean I'm oversimplifying yeah I mean for the most part we did have like uh, Michael was supporting his weight on Mm -hmm. Matt and like we had the theory of it down but it was just like our execution was it was bad right yeah it was a solid effort I don't think it was bad I mean I watched that and Mm -hmm. I but I did watch it thinking like I could help with that and Mm -hmm. I could help with that yeah I think that and I think we said no no, I didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't offer. I adjusted my beret. I didn't know and it was I something I stormed off set and refused to rehearse, even though <laughs> yeah. I wasn't yeah. in the scene. Bunch of drama queens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, right. but you're right, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I think one of the things that we've changed for sure is that now a scene like that, that would be part of our warm-up. We mm-hmm. would do the fight call every, every night time. and, and yeah. before every performance. Well, even the words we would, fight call. Think, yeah. I mean, yeah. eight years ago, nobody nobody did a yeah. fight call. We didn't know what a fight call was. Fight call, intimacy call. It's a change in culture I and think. it's it's a needed one absolutely one. Yeah. absolutely it keeps you physically safe but emotionally safe and it makes it not suck which mm-hmm. is also part of it it should be yeah. really fun to do and it shouldn't be this thing you're worried about doing for an hour until you get to that part right um but yeah. we were just dumb kids then yeah we <laughs> didn't know any well, better the thing is, like, no. if, i mean i don't know i wasn't in those rehearsal rooms but i know all of those actors that were involved in that show and every one of them would i would imagine at that age at that time back in our younger days would have been like <laughs> i'll do it like let's just go let's just throw down well let's and it was go. michael's first show so what did he know like we could do whatever and, we wanted and like that <laughs> that kind of there, thing yeah. i think for years was was like applauded mm-hmm. in actors right like we want actors to throw the themselves in a part we want them to dig up their childhood traumas we want them to like dig to the we actually don't want that um yeah, we want you to be safe dangerous, and like emotionally not, dangerous oh too, my god we like, can't get through a scene because i can't hear you because you're crying i mean also i hope you get help but this is not i don't want you to like go into some sort of fit 
because you're digging way deeper than you need to be. Right. You know? Well, I think even if we didn't have the theory of it, oh, that was the first drama shop show I think I did here. And I remember getting oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. smothered by a pillow in that one yeah. particularly. And I know that even though there wasn't, if it wasn't like the fight call and all that stuff, we did rehearse it a lot. Absolutely. Like there was Absolutely. like, a, there was never a point where I felt like I you could You were the one smothered with a pillow? Yes. Oh at least gosh, at one point in it. I feel fun. like. Oh, yeah. How fun. But I've I, never been smothered with a pillow on stage. Well, that was also the first time. I, I love that you threw in the caveat. Wait, wait, yeah. can we can we back up? Yeah. Because Elena threw in the caveat on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that can't I go just unmentioned. I like being specific. <laughs> just so we're all right. aware. All right. Well, uh, all right. I want to. Can I piggyback off of that? Absolutely really not. Quickly. Yeah, one go ahead. The, one of the things that I have uh, noticed, especially in a community theater setting, is kind of that like culture of the bygone days that we're trying to get rid of of like okay we're gonna we're gonna put down on even an audition form are you okay talking about these topics are you okay uh, uh, acting out scenes that that have to do with uh, I don't know abuse or uh, scenes that have to any kind of violence or anything like that any sort of thing that might make an actor uncomfortable and there's this idea I feel that I, I don't know what the best way to, to deal with it is that, that that if we put down like yes I'm absolutely fine with that even if you're not do you know what I mean because yeah. you think that somehow that's going to affect your casting as yeah. a young yeah. actor and like that that makes me look tough and that yeah, makes it look like I can be like, more castable from a, from a director like you're like no I don't I don't it's not I that I don't want to work with you but I want to make sure that everybody that is working on this project is comfortable and that's a message that I feel like we need to like yeah. get out there. You're literally it's like you're stealing from my notes right now because yeah. I, one of the <laughs> next things I wanted to talk about is I do feel like there is this misconception and I hope that we're doing our parts to try to to correct it but that idea that first that the director is the god right and that yeah, what the no. director says goes and that that the director can just mandate and the actors oblige and that's as simple as it is i think that's still something that that and we all need to work out, on kid, and, that's and that's exactly right. like, the second point is that as an actor you have to do what you're told to do yeah. because guess what there are 12 people standing behind you that are willing to take that role if you won't do it and that's an intense amount and of pressure to put that's an intense person. amount of pressure but it's also inhumane yeah. It's and kind of perverse. Yeah, you know, to 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 think that it, as yeah. a director, I can say to two actors, okay, now you're gonna kiss. Do this right now, exactly right, yeah. like this. I'm the director. I said so. Man, we need to get out of that that yeah. that habit. And I don't think that that's a habit that any of us on this stage have. I hope, or else we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. But but as community theaters and as artists across the country, I hope that that's something that's changing. Yeah, I've always tried to leave sort of whether it's blocking or or, you know, the intimacy choreography or the stage combat. Um, I've always tried to make sure that my actors are aware that it's something they can say, hey, I'm not this doesn't feel natural to me. This feels strange, whether it's walking from the bed to the table and picking up the phone. Um, you know, and we, we kept saying it over and over again in Spring Awakening over the summer. We kept saying if this feels weird at any point, you need to tell us. Um, well, that's a great, and that's fine. Yeah, you know, and that's okay. I would love Just to know in. from an or from a director's standpoint too. What would you recommend for an actor to actually do if they're asked to do something they are not comfortable with? When is that point where it's either okay to push back, and how should they comfortably feel like they can? Well, I'd like to say I don't think any of us in here. I mean, we direct for schools, but a lot of us direct civic theater, and you're not 
getting paid to do this. Mm-hmm. You are volunteering your time. Right. And we are nonprofits that serve the community. And that involves the people on the stage. So part of it is the advocacy, you know, and I think that everybody up here does a great job of saying, making sure everybody knows, like, you can come talk to me, open door policy type mm-hmm. of thing. But it goes beyond that to, like, checking in with your actors, being mm-hmm. able to pay attention to their body language, um, to say, oh, they don't look so comfortable yeah. right now. Now, as an actor, um, what to do uh, in a civic theater kind of um, scenario, You, I would talk to your stage manager um, or talk to your director. It's not like they're in equity. They can't call their ombudsman. Right. Um, so <laughs> the more we make ourselves advocates in the community, the more people they have to talk to about these things. As an actor, I've been in shows, and also you don't want to burn bridges. And this isn't everybody's policy, even though in a, like we would love it to eventually be. It isn't. So if you're in a production, let's say, and somebody says, hey, this is where you have to kiss, what I would say in the moment is I would say, I have a cold or something right. to stop hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely say, I'm not comfortable with that, if that's what you want to do, if that's your flavor. Right. Mm-hmm. My particular flavor would say, I have a cold right now, or I'm not going to do that right now. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm not going to do that right now. Then I'd pull my partner aside and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, Do you feel comfortable with this? How could we do this? Let's find somebody to block this. Let's talk to the director privately. If the director's still giving you pushback, you always can ask outside help yourself and if you're still not comfortable oh my god leave (laughs) that's terrible as a director Mm -hmm. but leave no and and i I hope that you know we try it and actually i shouldn't have said that i would say i feel sick like that might be what i would do and that shouldn't be what i should do i should say i'm not comfortable with that because the more of us that stand up and say this isn't right then that makes it less awkward for the person who really doesn't feel like they have a voice to so yeah. um, absolutely but I you do but you do make a good point i think for people who maybe might not have the confidence to yeah. say you know what i'm not comfortable with this sure. feel free to use that other tactic yeah. to shut it down at the moment and then address sore. it i have a cold sore i have pneumonia yeah, yeah i'm going to spit in your mouth <laughs> yeah. okay all right at least to get the conversation out of the form of to the pause. entire cast right. yeah i was going to say yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're more comfortable like one on one you can always pause right you can always not in a show but um not in a in a rehearsal you can always pause you can always say hold well and and we try to let people know at drama shop in the first rehearsal as well that if anything comes up during the course of a rehearsal that you have a problem with know that you can talk to the director or stage manager and beyond that you can also reach out to the board you know we we often give them the the board president's email address because if if someone i don't want someone to feel like they can't say to me the director and artistic director of drama shop i don't feel comfortable with that they might fear that if they do that, then they're never going to get to work at Drama Shop again. First of all, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not that kind of person, and if I project that, I I need to do some work. Yeah, tell him. But Tell uh, me, I'll tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope that a cast member would tell me. But if someone feels like they can't, then I hope that they would feel comfortable reaching out to really any member of our board or creative team. There is a di- So there's two things. One, though, you, if you tell your students or actors, like, you can come talk to me anytime, and that's great, and we all do that, but sometimes they just won't because they may not even be aware. So, like, having to check in, I think that's important personally. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is something I forgot. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. We're going to leave mean, this off. You got there really but. confidently, I think is, though. I think as, like, theater people, quote, unquote, um, I think we're very perceptive. And yeah. so I think you can kind of tell, as a director, especially, like, if someone feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, there are those moments where you're t- 
pressed for time and you're trying to get something done and mm. um and so yeah if you're if they're not picking up on it certainly feel free to say something and and i encourage actors too to do your research i mean do your research in terms of the roles and the show know what you're walking into yeah, I think that's the thing too. yeah absolutely yeah. um and and that way you sort of know what to ex what to expect ahead of time that is a good point as, as actors we do have a responsibility to make sure that we we do our work our homework beforehand because yes as a director i want to respect an actor's comfort level but at the same time if we're doing you know angels in america there are some intimacy things that have to happen in that show right. and i wouldn't want to have to get into the rehearsal process and realize this is not going to work out we're not able to find a way to g-rate that show <laughs> yeah so like no you need to as an actor be able to build up your your gut to know is this uncomfortable because i'm growing right now and this is something outside my comfort zone or is this uncomfortable because this is wrong and i sure. shouldn't be doing this right um so as act actors need to yeah own and that. i think there's and i do think i mean there's obviously a fine line like there's some things that are absolutely necessary to the plot that have to happen mm -hmm. and if, if you take it out it totally changes um, but there are ways it can happen right. where everybody feels okay with it. And yeah. that's what, that's the point we should be at. Yeah. It's not film in that, like it's theater. We're doing an interpretation of this piece and then you, someone down the road's going to do this piece in three years and it's going to be different, hopefully. Right. It's not just the yeah. same film that yeah. we're showing. So, um, like nudity, nudity is a big one, right? So if, if you audition for a show and they don't tell you there's nudity and then they're like, oh, by the way, that's a problem. Right. Yes. Like that, that should definitely yeah. be that's, in the yeah. casting call and definitely be explained. Um, you should be able to say, you know, and I've never met a director in this town that's been like, the nudity stays and it's <laughs> very nude. <laughs> I, I can't think of a show. Uh, but that, that's we ever happened. I 100% did the nudity butt. in I, We need a butt. <laughs> I can Nudity's say, fine. I feel like we've been in the opposite situation where we've had actors be like, I'll do it nude. No, Michael, I was not even talking about you, I swear. I, I swear. have one specific actor Truly where wasn't. I think if I don't say to him, like, you have to keep your clothes on, yeah. Yeah. he would take them off. And I've been in show like... It's uh, Matthew McConaughey? Did, it's not, sadly. Oh. It's me. It's me. Zach. They did wit at the playhouse. why I don't act anymore. With uh, uh, with Sue, Sue. and she, God, she's so good. It was just she was. I just fangirled yeah. over her the whole show. I'm pretty sure I messed up lines because I was just. Like, you were oh in God. the show. Oh yeah, I was in the show. Just yeah. like this woman is a just a being of light. Yeah. I can't even. Um, and the nudity in that play is extremely important, but it was never done gratuitously. No. And if at any point Sue was like, "That's not happening," I am sure. That the director, which I believe was Charlie, would yeah. have been like, okay. Well, she's another one, though. You got to beg her to put her clothes back on. <laughs> and she yeah. will be the first to tell you that. She's There's <laughs> also a difference between playing nudity in a 500-seat venue versus in, in drama shop where the first row is eight feet away from yeah. the audience. Yeah, because they right. did hair. Didn't they do hair at Gannon? Yeah. And then they did it at the Playhouse. The playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a scrim yeah. at, at the Playhouse, and a scrim is a... Thing and see you light through it, drop. You can see through, yeah. 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 See through drop. See through curtain. Um, so when curtain. we did it at the there Playhouse, some I can't remember. I was in that one, but I wasn't on stage. I was singing in the pit, and my dad was still wouldn't come because weird he was that I was there was naked that in the you pit. were naked in the pit. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if I take my clothes off in the pit, that's illegal. <laughs> that's a crime. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, and then when they did it again, and they wore like body suits because you're right there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's different ways. And and that is not only for the actor's comfort. 
but also for the, for the audience. audience's yeah. comfort, right? It's in 3D. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Baron's Theater, like we did the one, we did the male nudity in Spring Awakening. Okay. Um, but it was like his buttocks face buttocks. up stage. Um, it's, it's butt. It's a butt. It's I a like butt. that you, you paused, you thought, <laughs> what's the word I can use? And the one you settled on was you, Was buttocks. it in Spring Awakening at the Playhouse? It was not. No. They did not, um, not take their clothes off. Um, so, but, but at the Playhouse, it almost would have worked better because it's far away. But at Barron, I mean, you know, you walk two feet and you're sitting in the audience. So, right. so we talked. really be right. sensitive too to the audience and make them feel like, ah. Yeah, it's like right. artistic or, like or not. Cabaret. Five feet is yeah. five feet. Like, <laughs> yes. it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the idea of, you know, there is no actor's equity rep or anyone to go to when you're encountering situations like that. Um, nobody kind of walking around as the sort of safety inspector. I think that's something that we maybe kind of share the responsibility as directors and our stage managers, our crew, those kind of folks. Um, when it, how do we make sure that what we're doing just in general, not necessarily fight choreography, but what we're doing is safe in terms of, I don't know, the scenery, the props, all of those pieces, what are the things that we need to be watching out for? I think that, uh, well, something that uh, both I think Elena and Emmy uh, touched on here was just, as a director at least, uh, to, to check in. And I, it, to check in with the comfort level of your actors, regardless if there's violence, if there's some kind of sexuality, or if there's just subject matter that is difficult. And this goes, I mean, a lot for, I, I work with very young kids sometimes at the yeah. Playhouse. And I find that um, the younger your cast, the younger the actors you're working with, the more in tune with that and the more you have to check in to make to make absolutely certain that everybody is on board and comfortable 100% of the time. Otherwise, it's not. And I would imagine cool. sometimes it's like, things that you as an adult wouldn't necessarily expect right. would be problematic or, or you know triggering for a well, child. Well, there would be things about, like, I mean, holding hands. Sure. You know, yeah. to a kid young enough, it's yeah. just like everybody's going to join hands across the stage, and it's like, ooh, cooties, and you're like, okay, but this is a big deal to a five-year-old. Like, right. This is right. This is something. Yeah. It's but checking in. Yeah. I think as directors too, you have to be willing to say this is out of my comfort zone. This is out of my knowledge mm. base, and ask people. Um, I wouldn't know. Just as I would not try to choreograph a dance number, or no one wants to see that. I um, want to see that. Okay, well. I would love to see that. <laughs> a lot of jazz hands and train steps. I don't know. That's Same amazing. as mine. That's the name of your biography. <laughs> and, um, I can think of the worst song to go with that. Anyway. Yeah. That'll be the name of this but podcast. just as I wouldn't try to choreograph a big dance number, I also wouldn't know how to build like a balcony yeah. safely. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? So I would have to check with someone to find out how that would be done. Yeah, a little bit of humility, understanding your own skill set oh, as a director mm -hmm. goes a, a long way. Right. I remember, Elena, you and I almost, uh, I, no, I don't, I shouldn't, fight? I shouldn't say you and I, I reacted poorly. Oh, he did. <laughs> he yelled. He I got, didn't yell. Yes, he did. About what? Zach and I got I in a fight. I didn't yell. No, this is great because we never I want to hear about it. Yeah. I know. Okay, you tell the story. Uh, so, <laughs> so it was, was it, Tech week or the week before? I think it was tech week. It was week the wrong time. Of the humans, <laughs> which was a two-story set in this space that we're in, which mm -hmm. is kind of tricky. Um, and literally, I remember, like, painting parts of the set that, and then telling the cast before the rehearsal started that night, like, that part's still wet. Don't touch it. That's how, like, down to the wire we were with that show. And, and in the course of me running up and down the spiral stairs on the set to, like, finish painting and fixing, like, detail work, Elena says to me, um, there's a knife on the counter of the set 
that can't be there. And I, I don't know what I said, but I know that it came from I deep within. Like I was going to say, I think if you told the story, that part turned might have gone differently. <laughs> <laughs> now you tell and then it. St- and then now I ran into I that knife. <laughs> I ran into his knife ten times. First of all, the rail there was no railing on the set on the second story, which I also mentioned, and I was wrong to have done that well there can't be no i know but it just makes me nervous and so i shouldn't have said anything and then there was a knife a real knife on the stage and i said "Uh, do we use that and he's like yep and i'm like to like cut i want to say that's not what i said but that's probably exactly (laughs) what i said things on the stage we cut with that and he said yep and I was like, the dirty knife that's left here? And he was like... Okay, now the stage manager is in the audience, and he's taking offense to the fact that you called it a dirty knife. It was knife. dirty. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. It was dirty. And then, and it's just like everything on stage is a potential weapon, and any weapon weapon is a real weapon, and it, every real weapon is a loaded gun. Like, so that's actual, how I approach it. Was a, it was a knife. I have a great knife. So I bring up this... No, it was a real right. knife. I bring up this story to, to lead to an actual question, which is the reason it was a real knife is because it takes place during Thanksgiving, and Jr. was playing the part where he Did was it? prepping food, cutting sure. veggies, the whole deal during the course of the show. Yeah. So the question my is, what do you do with right. that? So my problem wasn't the fact that a knife exists in right. this world. It was that it was left out. That was it. Because people were rehearsing and moving. We were blocking movement. There was a kind of like a fight, not a fight fight, but like an argument. Um, not our argument, but like <laughs> in, the, in the show. There was a fight. And uh, so weapons need to be secure, like guns. They always are loaded and knives are always about to explode. I don't know. Like just in my training, they're terrifying and they will cut you. I'm also a big klutz and I cut myself constantly. Yeah. So the knife had to go away. And then in a show, when you have to use something like that, it has to be now, I say this, but I definitely used a real knife when we were doing Stupid Effing Bird, and I insisted on it, and that was on me. But as long as your actors are aware, like, you don't have to use this real knife. We can block it in such a way that things are already cut, and you can, this isn't, um, what is that, naturalism, where yeah. like right. real cooking. And so we did adjust the blocking of, of that and made sure that, that it lived in the cupboard and only came out when it was being used. Yeah, I'm a stickler. So thank you, Elena. I wonder if some people would say that this focus on on stage combat and intimacy, the the level of kind of scrutiny that we're putting it through, is it a generational thing? I mean, we're all kind of about the same age. <laughs> but I do I wonder two things. Like is this is this something that you know, are we being sensitive millennial snowflakes here or is this a shift in the culture that has happened or that is happening in in the theater industry? writ large. I'm sure that there are other stories like this, but I know quite a few folks who existed in the, we'll say, the culture before. And I'll say that while they may say like, oh, it's not that important, uh, there were injuries and there were not as many injuries in in this culture. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that that's progress. That's a, that's a difference and it's a good one. And that's just locally. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just like in history, I think we find that these problems have always existed. It's just whether or not people were going to make a change or speak about it. And as it becomes easier to speak about it, I think then we're seeing sort of the shift of let's make 
let's fix the problem. Yeah. yeah. As a sensitive snowflake millennial feminist killjoy, um, I would say that that's on her business cards. It's a double-sided card. Rolls um, off the tongue. Yeah. You know, I'm adamant that we're not millennials, but that's not. Oh, that's we are. cool. So, like, um, stage combat we started won. because people were getting hurt. So then stage combat heart started. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, good. And then uh, intimacy direction started because people were getting hurt. And yeah. so what'll be interesting is what happens next. Like, what's the next thing to get special yeah. attention? You know, um, I think that all sorts of acting styles come in as like any fashion is in response to the previous fashion to say we're not like that. And so if our thing is that we're sensitive and empath- empathic, well, that's great. I don't think that necessarily that the generations before us weren't. I mm-hmm. think sure. maybe they were rebelling against something else and maybe they set right other things and now we just get to set right this. That's how art changes ultimately, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it has to change with it. It's ultimately a reflection. The pendulum of the swings, right? Yeah. So. That's so weird that you. Do. I just literally was about to say swinging the pendulum the other way. Like Whoa. that was waiting in my head to <laughs> perfect transition. Um, but with looking at it, we've been kind of talking obviously of the pros of it. But does approaching some of these moments with such meticulous precision do, is there ever a danger of that taking away from the sort of organic nature of blocking, or does it take the actor or the audience out of the moment? And how do you keep that? from happening no great (laughs) go ahead no i was just gonna say i mean i think if it's done right the audience will never know Mm -hmm. amen there there is a such thing at least in stage combat where people are people who are very in tune with each other and who are rehearsed and and good with each other and in tune with each other are blocking fights naturally they're improvising fights essentially in rehearsals you mean yes in rehearsals not on stage but they that's how they come up with yeah so So stage combat right now is moving in that direction and like when i went to like uh, winter wonderland before Mm -hmm. you would go in these are all the moves we're going to do right Mm -hmm. but these actors know the roles better than you so you ask them like what do you feel needs to happen in this moment kind of but you still need to do your homework and know like one of three moves probably has to happen first either they're gonna push each other (laughs) to establish distance or they're going to hands on the collar to establish distance we've got like we've got yeah yeah. (laughs) this is why all my fights look the same but like we know what needs to happen at first for safety but the actors know like, no, my character wants to kiss that character, so my character needs to move forward. Okay, so then you don't initiate the push. The other one's got to do that, right. that kind of a thing. But, yeah, if it's done correctly, nobody should know. And um, I hate when actors say, oh, it's just I, re- I over-rehearsed it. <laughs> I think that's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> I think that you might be uncomfortable. That might be worth saying again. That's just it is not a thing <laughs> to over-rehearse things. You may have gotten to a point where you're not finding anything new, so ask for some new direction. Ask for a g- I like to play games with my students. I'll be like, hey, so tonight's secret game is you need to ta- touch with permission each character on the shoulder. Now, you can't change your blocking, but you've got to want to touch them on the shoulder. Huh. Like Little games like that are great if you feel like you're just not feeling it anymore. Um, and I make fun of actors because I am an actor. Like, <laughs> actors first, oh, yeah. right? Oh, like, we're yeah. crazy people. I make fun of actors because I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Zach yeah. Flock, ladies and gentlemen. This no. is all Acting. just making me want to be directed by I th- all of you guys. <laughs> I think that it's a myth, and I think it comes from a place of fear, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, we, it's just we've overdone it, and I'm not feeling it. Like, well, then work harder. I don't know. Imagine things. Build up a harder obstacle. Like, if you're not feeling it, then you're not working on your craft. And that's, yeah. a, that's a cue that you've maybe yeah okay great your body's in tune with the actions it's taking but you've lost your motivation yeah, yeah. so find like a new one if you have to <laughs> yeah, your it job not, is to justify it should not i mean in my opinion it shouldn't ever feel easy mm. you know Ooh. say that should, again I yeah like it that. should never feel easy it should feel safe it should feel comfortable but it shouldn't be it's work it should yeah. not you should be still easy. be fighting for something working find for something. your right. place mm-hmm. of yeah. joy Act from that, but like yeah. keep working. Right. Yeah. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's just but as hard as work. a tap dancer, it's a act- song, right. or whatever you suck at. I suck at. Both, <laughs> if you just like went on stage and emoted, like that would be great. But that's, I mean, for you, that's a therapy, right? That's right. therapy in front of people. Mm-hmm. That's not acting. Acting mm-hmm. is action is doing. So if you're not feeling it, act harder. I don't know. Yeah. If I can, I just had a thought kind of coming off of that question, and this is probably more for for Emily and Elena, given the the college population that you typically work with, but do you ever feel, and I think you both do, so I'm kind of answering the question for you, um, a, a need to protect your students from maybe their own eagerness, or I guess where I'm coming from is I'm thinking there are things that I was probably willing to do on stage at 18 or 19 years old that as a 36 year old, I mean, not just cause I'm 36, but I think like, Oh, I wouldn't want 19 year old me to do that. Does that come into play at all? Or am I just you, projecting? Well, too I can totally, no, I totally see where you're coming from. I was actually really surprised at how shy they were. Mm. Okay. Especially for being like as young and you kind of assume like, Oh, college is my time to, you know, spread my wild oats. Yeah. Or, I feel like know, we got into that stuff. like fearless. <laughs> Sorry, kind grandpa of just took over. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> wild oats. Yeah. yeah. Wild oats. I'm writing it down. Grandma, your wild oats are showing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually really surprised at how shy and reluctant they huh. were. Mm. And so that was part of the reason we spent so much time on it mm-hmm. was getting them to a point where they felt comfortable. But yeah, absolutely, especially yeah. in a small space like Barron's Theater in this this space we're sitting in right now, I, I do feel protective. Um, there were a couple moments, like in, I did Heather's in the spring. Oh, Heather's um, is a good one to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to block. And Heather's in the spring where I had two students running around and like- Who did your fights for that? Um, Adam Rossi. Oh, good. Um, that slow motion fight was one of my favorite things. Yeah. And so I had two students running around in their underwear and I, mm-hmm. I felt there were moments where I would like have to leave the room because I was like, I just feel so bad. Um, yeah. There was a night where the lights didn't turn, oh, my, yeah. my light board. Uh, I think you texted every theater practitioner. I did, I did. Michael was up in the booth with me. Um, we were trying to figure out the lights stayed on bright the whole time. So um, oh. during the intimate scene with the two actors, I really, I literally walked outside. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's and they so were fine they felt fine because i was like oh like just don't do it like you can fudge yeah. it and they were like no it's fine i'm like okay um but yeah no you do feel protective i think but i but like i said i really was surprised and i think even the the woman that was working with me on choreography for um for spring awakening we were both surprised at how shy they were 
So we were just a little too eager when I we maybe, did cabaret yeah, in college, yeah. <laughs> I think is what it comes I down to. I don't remember what you're talking um, about. Well, I have pictures. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I really, liked, I really liked the fight for Bloody Bloody. I thought that was really fun, That's and I was fun. really scared. Um, I wanted to sound really smart and like I knew what I was doing. Well, and that so was a massive fight. I mean, you it had was how really many? Bi- that was, was pretty the much the full cast, right? Mm-hmm. It was, and it was funny. Except and it was for like Connor Amendola. <laughs> yeah, and then I got to teach him how to punch someone in the junk. That's which right. Was fun. That's right. Um, Age ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He good aim. Good yeah. aim. Um, well, he was he was the right height for it. Yeah, I guess, which helps. My I'm favorite right fight that I was in. I got killed a lot in grad school, so um, being murdered. I'm was talking fun. about being in shows, though. Oh, just well your then grad never school mind. experience. Um, I did a sword fight as the nurse in Romeo and Juliet in a wimple, which was awesome because so we had done the show stateside and like oh, it was this production that was very true to form, and we were wearing velvet, and it was this whole thing, and my Peter, my boy, oh. he. Do you want to rephrase that? Nope, I don't. <laughs> he did the sword fight where Mercutio, it's at the beginning where the boys are being boys, right? Whatever that means. Um, gender's not a thing. But anyways, so Toxic then uh, we went overseas and to Greece in the summer and performed outdoors in velvet. And sure. it was awfully hot. And my, gen- oh, he was such a gentle soul. But Your he- Peter? My Peter was such a gentle soul, but he couldn't sword fight to save his life i don't think he would disagree and he's you know um and he so we were they were like the nurse just has to do it the nurse has to just sword fight so i had to steal his sword and sword fight as the nurse uh-huh. and this very classical version of romeo and juliet suddenly became kill bill i loved it because your peter got too hot in the grecian sun well i just want to make sure i'm my, understanding the story my peter would run out and get his belt stuck and then he couldn't get his his sword out. Is there footage of this anywhere? <laughs> so, God, Nicole, if you can edit the last two minutes out, just highlight. Oh, I didn't even start recording yet. Wait, wait, oh, good. Wait, wait. Oh. Good. We're good. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, that was my favorite. That was one of my favorites. But I haven't been in a fight in a really long time, and I would really like to be well, in one. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's how we're going to end the podcast. Just Sorry, throw down. Punching. Um, well, along those lines, is there a show or a scene that you would love to direct Beca- or or do the choreography for because of either the intimacy or the the fight choreography the combat element of the show anything on your wish list I want to do Titus um, but I want to be in it and I want someone really good to direct it <laughs> yeah that's what I want Titus Andronicus, Andronicus. Uh, I think that would be really fun cool that is a good one um Shakespeare, I think, in, in general, yeah. provides a lot of good opportunities for, both. for... Well, yeah, true. I was going to say for the fight choreography, but yeah, absolutely, for both. I'll tell you what, I'd like to do, and it's not even like a particular thing, but I would like to work on... I'd like to work on something that was with, like, broadswords or something. I've never done that on stage before, and I'd like oh, the yeah. chance so to... Heavy. Yeah, but they're fun <laughs> <laughs> my my teacher used to yell at me when i would fight rapier dagger and she'd be like stop fighting with it like it's a broadsword and i'm Swinging like what do you it, mean yeah. she's like you 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 try to cut them in half like it's a claymore <laughs> like it, and she's like it's very french and you're very scottish right now so i fight like it's a broadsword that's such a specific problem to have you like this <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, you cast the energy, right? You keep the energy going because it's this thin little, you're, you're trying, like a needle, right? Point them, stick them with the pointy end, right? Yeah. 
that's what's deadly. But then a broadsword's like, I'm going to mm. cut through your armor. The weight of it is yeah. more important. It's a lightly sharpened club. Have, you, essentially what <laughs> have you ever considered working at Medieval Times? No. <laughs> I think that I'm might really check some of these boxes for forks, you. I'm really big about eating with forks. I don't think you have to eat the New thing, I'd like to do stage combat with a fork. There. Ooh. Got it. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever done a fight with a fork. Well, I've do some brainstorming. Well, that's our after podcast. No, that's fight. not true. You and I, <laughs> I fork, it wasn't Emmy a gets fork. It was one of those things that you put for absinthe. We did oh, that. Yeah. We she slit her throat with it with this absinthe spoon. This is, though it's not a fork, but. Yeah, be but fun to do like a Little Mermaid Ursula yeah. fight with a with a Dinglehopper. There was a little <laughs> fork fighting in Little Mermaid. Oh, girl. Not that me. I wasn't a part awesome. of it. The crab and the crab. The, the, and the fish chef. lady. Like you they have names, <laughs> Ariel. It's the, no. it's the show called A Little Mermaid, and there was a fish lady in it. And <laughs> no, as far as Nicole was concerned, there was only the Little Mermaid. Sorry. <laughs> and then just some fish and crab. And her dingle Fish hopper. and chips. Peter Backs was there. Peter. Peter. <laughs> I'd like to do Less Who's Afraid of a Virginia Wolf. <gasps> yes. I think I would. I want to be in that, though. I I'm just too. listing the shows I want to be in. Yeah. Um, but that was. Put it back out in the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I want to be in. Or direct August Osage County. Oh, that'd be good. I'll be in that. Okay. You direct that. So we really are just <laughs> listing shows um, at this point. Yeah. Well, if you're listing what you want to do, we're going to take one more quick break before we come back for our last little. <laughs> we're done. Bit. We're done with you. But um, Dom and Emmy, what are you working on right now before we take a break? I mean, right now you're doing our podcast, <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, tomorrow. Is there? Yes. What's your current project? Well, I'm on hiatus. Ooh. Oh. Oh, what is that? So like? Sounds fancy. <laughs> yes, delicious. For, uh, so, uh, yeah. Fancy. So, I just wrapped up the last five years at Baron. Yes. Um, and so, when we come back in January, we will start working on our site-specific production of Carrie the musical. Oh, cool! And you're doing that in the, the uh, gym that's getting torn down. Right. So that's cool. awesome. That's yeah. really so cool. cool. That's yeah. awesome. I, I like that, that a lot. Bravo. That's awesome. <laughs> I saw Bill Clinton in that gym. You did mm-hmm. yesterday. It was weird. Yeah. In blood. Yeah, just, just standing there. It was <laughs> very. <laughs> I'm like, I know you don't have much going on right now, but yeah. you know our podcast. Yeah, maybe next time. Oh man. Uh, and I'm I'm working on uh, Frozen at the uh, Erie Playhouse right now. Let it go. Um, and do you want you to build, build a, a snowman? snowman? We can't I, afford uh, the rights, guys. Awake, wow. If so I could, I'm awake. don't sing it. Please don't, don't sing, sing it. it. We'll have to pay for it. Oh no! Okay. I was just saying if I if I never if I never have to just I mean I shouldn't but I'm those songs are uh-huh. so those good. Songs, I have thank heard you. so Amazing. much. Amazing! Thank songs. you so much, oh, Disney. Yeah. You've heard those songs a lot. Oh, I have a three-year-old. We on. watch it every you day. Oh, every yeah. day. Mama Frozen. I could write some dissertation the only words I hear. about the heroine's journey. All right, I'm going to calm the moms down and say, why don't we go ahead and take a break? All right, one more break. Shop Talk is sponsored by Gannon University Schuster Theater. Coming up at the Schuster, The Wolves by Sarah DeLapp. It's a 2017 Pulitzer Prize finalist and winner of the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize, exploring the challenges of nine teenage soccer players over the series of a single season, negotiating relationships, developing skills, sharing victories and losses both on and off the field. The Wolves is designed to celebrate and empower even in times of challenge or desolation, and performances run February 19th to 23rd. You can find more information on that and all of the upcoming performances at the Schuster Theater at gannon.edu slash Schuster Theater. 
open it up. Oh, sit down. Yeah. Sit. I mean, sit oh down. All, all fifteen. Somebody check and make sure she's okay. <laughs> Thank you. All fifteen remaining audience members were standing. <laughs> oh, we're down to fifteen. Yep. Um, we're gonna bring them back though. So uh, we want to go and take a couple of the audience's questions. So who's the? I don't know who this gentleman. My name is Michael Haas. <laughs> My question is for everyone. So we talked about consent and the ability to give consent and take it away at any point. Mm -hmm. uh, my question is, we were talking about this in terms of intimacy and fights. However, if I read a text as an actor doing my research, uh, I audition for the show, get cast in it. I have a different interpretation of the text than the director does. And the director is giving me a note in terms of blocking to move a certain way or to act a certain way. Do I then, as an actor, have the ability to remove my consent from the director to block me? And if so, where does that put directors in this brave new world we live in? Get out. No. But I think, okay, so I think yeah. what you're talking about is also a larger sort of systemic cultural shift, right? So we are talking about um, what are we allowed to speak up against about feeling uncomfortable. And I, I think that because this is a brave new world, we're all trying to figure it out right now. And so it will lead to uncomfortable things, and that's okay. Not dangerous things, that's not okay. Um, I think that goes back to as an actor developing your sense of what is uncomfortable because I'm growing and what is uncomfortable because it's wrong. Um, if you're arguing philosophy, which is what that kind of sounds like you're making a philosophical question, um, yeah, I guess at any point you can withdraw consent from the director. You can also withdraw consent to be in a show. It's not like we sign contracts and it's not like we're being paid. So, yeah, I think that you bring up and say, I have ideas about this part. I don't agree with this interpretation. And your director has every right to say, well, I want you to move this way. And if you don't, you can leave. Um, and then you can block yourself out the door if you feel so inclined. But I would hope that we are all existing in more of an ensemble way of doing theater. At least that's what I've seen. But that might be my blinders because that's what I like to do. But it's I, weird that you wear those. I know. Aren't they nice, though? <laughs> um, they're really big, so they make my face look really small. That's why I do it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that because at least what I see is theater moving in an even more ensemble based or in a feminist theater direction where there isn't a top down sort of hierarchy, but somebody still is outside to be kind of like, you know, keeping the kittens in the room. Um, I would hope that you would only want to work with people that are open to doing things that may not be their vision of the part, both as actors and directors. Yeah, I definitely am the type of director where I would want you to tell me and then we could talk about it. And then like like the other two said, you could if we if we completely came to a disagreement and you we didn't see the character the same way and you just couldn't get on board with that, then yes, you can yeah. withdraw your it, consent and if it's an impasse, it's an impasse. Right. Like that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And since you said the question is for everybody, I want to chime in too and say, you know, I, I think what we all have in common is that we're collaborators, right? And this mm. kind of hits on what all yeah. you're all saying. And and so if you realize especially well really at any point in the process, that you're not on board for that collaboration, that it's not the right fit. Yeah, I, I would hope that that we would acknowledge that early on and and move past that, um, and in whatever way, if that means the person leaves the production, then the person leaves the production. Now, I think we, 
you know, we need to be respectful and, and allow people the opportunity to withdraw consent. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I would hope that that as we talked about earlier, that actors are doing a little bit of research ahead of time and have a sense for what, what they're getting into. I know you're talking not just the intimacy and combat, but just kind of general disagreement about the vision of a show, right? And I guess my, my bigger point is that if a person is someone who's not a collaborator, that's going to be a struggle throughout the entire process. So we're probably better off to say we're not a good fit. Yeah, I, just to, to clarify, my, my point why was talking a little bit more philosophically when I was explaining it. Sure. I was thinking more along the lines of moments in the intimacy or, or combat in terms of like intentionality. Oh yeah. Uh, like for example, two of the shows that we talked about, uh, like spring awakening, mm -hmm. uh, and Heather's, mm -hmm. uh, where the male characters, uh, are enacting some sort of violence and there could easily be a question of, intention yeah and a disagreement and so then you could have two you know uh ways of approaching it and so then what do you do uh when those completely clash do you do you walk away or do you stay and have that conversation and for how long do you have that conversation because right. there's i mean if this is happening during tech week yeah like a you mean like a last minute change yeah you yeah know. sure oh i was gonna say and this isn't necessarily between a an actor director but i think we could use the example of during spring awakening there was like a three there was a lot of um cooks in the kitchen because there was it was myself and then dom and kate and we must have spent two hours debating one of the fight slash intimacy scenes with the two actors oh, and the poor two actors were like totally fine with whatever we decided but the three of us could not make a decision like we couldn't come to terms with it and we really did I mean we hashed it out and disagreed with each other for two hours um and then finally I think we digressed to Kate and said you know ultimately you're in charge right you decide um but yeah, I think I think you have to be willing to have the conversation in terms of how long just you let posterity, it. Just for posterity, this was a rehearsal that was just those two actors. Yes, <laughs> it was, yes, yes. It was with the intention of building this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was hours long. It was a cast yeah. of 15. <laughs> Everyone everybody else was just waiting. There, yeah. Everybody got a vote, though, that, which was yeah. very considerate. <laughs> Maeve was knitting. It was, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you do. You have a conversation. And then, like you said, we came to a point where it was like, okay, we've made some good points but we've accomplished nothing so let's move on Maybe, and, and yeah. that's what happened and I think we actually yeah. ended up breaking for the night came back the next day and just said you know this is we're gonna leave this up to you Kate and you you know you take it from there so I, I would say it's the same thing with an actor like if you have that it, but but ultimately if the actor I mean yeah you would hate to leave a show during tech week but, but you also can't put yourself in a position to be exploited. To if be you're being exploited, exploited right. that's one thing. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think, um, I don't know, this is like an actor thing. But So ensemble theater, which I think a lot of people are doing, um, you get this problem, right? Because there's a lot of cooks. And we're all like, we all have a say in it. Um, which, and part of me is like, yeah, no director. Let's all just fight to it. Okay, great. But also, and process is great, but there's also product. So somebody needs to be outside the bubble to be like, 
this is the vote that's going to split this decision. Um, and that's how I work. I think there needs to be that outside person. And as long as they're working with the best of intentions and they're not exploiting anybody, then you're good. Um, as an actor, though, I have been asked to do a lot of stuff I don't agree with as far as the character. Mm -hmm. And I just don't do it in my mind. <laughs> like, I... What? <laughs> that is what I would tell you. Now, I, my director tells me I'm supposed to walk three... Okay. Me and Dom, is it okay if I use you as an yes, example? Yes, please. I'm we're, in a, we're in a scene. We played uh, we played exes or some lovers. Yeah, in a show reason. I directed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, or apparently so it's just an example. She's yeah. not talking about you. It's That's fine. So what you think. There would be, if we were having the scene and we're supposed to have, in the end of the scene, I'm supposed to leave him with the intention of never coming back. That's the, what the director told me. I don't think he really told me that. Um, so me as the actor, I'm like, that's bull. Um, obviously, she th this is a ploy. She thinks he's going to come after her. She's going to leave in a way so that he comes after her. So what that means as an actor is I'm like, I really think I should make a false exit and then come back and look at him for three seconds and then exit. And the director's like, I need you to get off the stage. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> so the director part of me has to like take a step back because my job is not big picture. My job is my character. And, but the show also, since I'm an actor, my character's the lead in any show I do. It's great. <laughs> so what I will do as an actor is I will in my brain play that tactic and play and, and the director would never know. And then maybe I'll get off stage where I'm off stage by myself and I'll look over my shoulder and continue acting because I'm crazy, but then I feel the fulfillment and the honesty of my character, but I have not touched the, the big picture. Because at the end of the day, whoever you have outside, whether it be the director or the lead actor, if you're doing like Wicked Ensemble, which, ew, God bless, they, somebody has to be big picture, and it cannot be the actor in the show, because the show's always about you. And if that, if even just doing that small action, just an example yeah. of that, but like even if doing that, helps you to establish that character and to it, it still is going to show up later in the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. The There's a really great technique um, called not but and it's Brechtian I believe where you would like do it in the rehearsal of like I'm just going to do this in the rehearsal and I promise not to do it in the show. Can <laughs> I just do this for two weeks? And you do it for two weeks and it lives in your body and you get that psychophysical this is Michael Chekhov -y. you get that feeling that you are looking for as an actor and then you don't do it but you feel the urge to do it and it's almost more powerful. So I love having rules from directors and then figuring out how I can privately and secretly break them. And then I, as the director, can see that brilliant performance and be like, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and everybody yeah. wins. Because every show I direct yeah. is about honestly. me. Yeah. Just like every show you act in is. Yeah, totally. You're actually the lead character yeah. in every show you exactly. direct. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so totally. it's, it's a bit of both. Like you, it's hard if you've directed to then act and not try to control the big picture. Mm. And if we're if we're talking about uh, disagreements, uh, text-based disagreements, we're talking about disagreements that have been happening since the beginning Day of one. acting. Like yeah. that's that's this is a problem that we still have and will probably continue to have forever. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Nick. Nick. I don't know your Hi. name. Never mind. Hi, I'm Nick. Um, <laughs> Do any of you have an example, not with specific actors, of course, but just in general, <laughs> of an intimacy or combat scenario that just didn't turn out, whether it was people just not feeling, like, say, falling for combat or not giving consent as the process went along, and then I mean, keeping those actors, uh, any story to that effect, of those pieces not working, perhaps, as you thought it would or should, 
that you can talk about without giving specifics? Yes. Sure. Great question. <laughs> and that is the end of my response. <laughs> yes. I could. <laughs> are any of them in the room? <laughs> no. Which is Not weird because there are like 400 <laughs> people in the room. Um, <laughs> they all came back. They're back. Hi, everybody. Uh, and they I've, all have questions. I've had, yes, take your, wait your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had actors really hate each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but on stage, yeah. be in love. Oh, my God. Because there's such energy. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's great energy. Um, but there are oh. times where it has been like, okay, they're not going to give me what I want because they can't get past in their head that huh. they hate this person. Mm. Um, That's hard. It is hard. And I... You can't just be like, hey, I know everybody hates each other. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the thing. I the, the one specific time it was like, I didn't know if each other knew. <laughs> oh. You know what I oh, mean? secret hate. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So oh. I figured they probably did. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, you just, they took my direction. They did what I asked. Was it believable? I'm not sure. <laughs> but it, you know they did what I told them to do. Mm-hmm. We. That's hard. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. And and you hear about that like in Hollywood all the time about people that play opposite each other. That, yeah. That can't just stand that you can't other. stand each other and. Can't um, stand them. You know, and I think if you and I, and I don't even want to say they were bad. They're bad actors. That's not the case. But you know, they're they're college. Students. They're doing something intimate, Sorry. and it's requiring more of their brain than they're realizing like right. they're willing to give up yeah i was in a show one time and in all fairness he did ask for consent so i want to say that he asked for consent and i gave it however you should never have asked um we were overseas in a production not romeo and Juliet, a different production um somewhere else and um we i was thrown into this role that i had not originated there um and the role was funny she's a funny person and she's supposed to have um sexual intercourse during the show like um upstairs she's an upstairs neighbor and it's the main actions happening and then they hear this sexcapades happening and it's raucous and funny but I was so scared and nobody gave me blocking and no one told me what to do and they're just like well this is where you have the sex stuff and it was on a scrim that was see-through so I was seen and I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't have any blocking and it was mortifying. Gosh, that's terrifying. And the yeah. guy who was, he was very kind, but, um, and he was, he had done it before. He's like, you just lay there. It's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and we had to make noise, which is so intimate. Mm-hmm. And we had no instruction of how to do that. They're just like, make sex noises I'm like that is awful then when we went overseas and did it we didn't have like a two-story set with a see-through scrim we had like a blow-up mattress upstage (laughs) and the and one and sometimes it got worse and I don't know how I feel like there was a scrim involved at one point and the guy right before we started said I'm gonna take off my pants it'll be funny is that okay and I said okay and he did and he mooned the audience for fun. I was so embarrassed and so scared because I didn't, and he was a uh, way above, uh, like a, 
he was like a, he was above me uh, in rank and he was older than me and I really respected him and I didn't want to seem like a chicken so I was just like yeah I'm fun I'm so fun let's do this thing um so that I mean that I gave consent I did and so, I regret yeah and no, knowing did. what you know now what yeah. advice would you give to well, I think young that the, uh, girl first of all about this Lizzo. specifically we, it's a, lot a short to Lizzo. um I would say, like, you don't have to say yes, and you don't owe anybody anything, especially yeah. your body. And you're not the punchline of a joke. So you don't well have said. to do that. Um, and But I would say that it was the director's job to create the culture where that never should have been asked. And mm -hmm. we should have been given choreography. And I think he also felt uncomfortable. He must have felt uncomfortable. So he was doing something to make it funny-er in his mind, to save us embarrassment. Kind of a defense mechanism on his part. Exactly. Too. And yeah. he, he didn't take his pants Humor all the way off. Humor is a defense he, mechanism. I'm not familiar with that concept. <laughs> Can we he, talk um, about that? I want to clear. He did keep his underwear on. He just pulled it. His, his, his buttocks was showing um, to moon the audience. Buttocks. But yeah. we, buttocks. Yes. Like yes. when <laughs> I have to choreograph, like we use, we use correct anatomical terms when we block things. And we say, like, this is the part, this is insertion, and then we're going to have this many thrusts, and then it completes in an orgasm, and you have this orgasm, and your orgasm is like this, and we're going to give it a scale. And we talk about these things, and we give them names because sex is a thing humans have, and we want to demystify it. It's healthy and normal, and we know that people are uncomfortable. And if you, I have in the past tried to say other things, like... Um, oh God! I said. Please like, go through Peter. the list. Oh, we <laughs> said we said so yeah, many versions. Say, yeah. Until you finally are like, oh right, let's just say this is the part where you grab his gluteus and you grab for three seconds, and then this would be insertion, and instead this is how you do that at this angle. So, and are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? It took a while to, for me to get there, trying to learn how to do this. So this was years ago before we knew. We just didn't know. So that was a really long answer. We, we ran into a lot of word, yeah, wording Difficult issues yeah. with Spring I said Awakening. I pet the kitten one time when I was trying to talk about a manual <laughs> stimulation, and I should have just said, this is a manual release, and you are doing this. And instead, I was like, it's like you're petting a cat. And I'm like, it's not at all like that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you this is not now the number so one podcast worse. on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> I don't know what nope, else we're nope. doing. <laughs> and I feel so bad for those actors. Watch I out, apologize. armchair expert. I really, I was trying to do the best I could, and I should have done better, so... Well, I just want to thank the three of you because yeah. this has been a thoroughly enjoyable conversation and I really do appreciate the insight that you each bring from your from your experience and from your different positions in our community. And I also want to thank you for being advocates in the community because as we pointed out, the, the philosophies that we're espousing here today are new to a lot of people sure. and have not always been the norm. So I just want to thank you as, mm -hmm. as members of the community for doing the work that you do. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. And we're lucky because we have a really great community, too. And I think that people in this community do great work. So thanks, community. And they care. And thanks for that, too. Thanks yeah. for caring. Yeah. Now, everybody hug. With <laughs> I would consent. say that was so kind. No. Can I touch it? <laughs> like Zach said, thank you all very much again. Um, and if you love us and you want more Drama Shop, be sure to check out our website, dramashop.org. Sign up to get our emails. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at Drama Shop Erie.
Thank you all so much also to uh, Kate and Pat Theme, our sound engineer, uh, Pat, for uh, providing their gracious equipment and the technical support. Uh, you can hear actually more from their podcast. Kate and Pat have a podcast, Earful, a Disney World podcast. How many times can I say podcast? On iTunes, as well as more episodes of Shop Talk available there as well. Thank you, guys.